Hi, everybody, and welcome to Urbonus podcast. Uh, strangely, this time we don't have Urbonus with us. Our main guy, uh, he's he's dealing with some health issues, let's say, but he's fine. Yeah, he's okay. He'll be back. Uh, but for this time, we'll be here with August, just the two of us. And there's a lot of things we want to talk about because uh, a lot of stuff happened on the first day of the second round. Uh, so, yeah, we will probably just go game by game and try to explain what happened, although there are some some things I can't really understand myself. Uh, maybe you will help <laughs> me to understand why and what happened. Uh, I just have to say that I'm really sad about Australia being out of the competition, my favorite team, but it just happened that they were in a really tough bracket on the on the let's say clearly the the harder uh, part of the bracket and yeah that loss in the group stage versus germany cost them and yesterday they faced slovenia so but that's not the game i want to start talking about uh, first of all august how was it for you uh, were you like uh watching some games on tape delay or were you catching all the action live and just switching from one channel to the other Man, what a day. I thought in the evening I was telling myself, you know, the real championship, the, the real FIBA World Cup started started yesterday, started yeah. on Friday because uh, the quality of games, you could already feel that teams were playing for, you know, for higher stakes, let's say. Uh, the unpredictability of the results we saw, we saw so many upsets. We saw a crazy scoring game, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic with... Carl Anthony Towns going head to head with Tremont Waters. We saw Lithuania hitting 15 frees. Then I wasn't watching Germany uh, because you know just you can't catch up with all the games live. I opened the box score. They have 20 made three pointers. Uh, USA had a hard game and uh, just and then it's like it's not everything. Latvia gets one more win after we are already you know pushing them out of the tournament, saying they don't have yeah. a chance. All of a sudden, they will play against Brazil tomorrow uh, Tomorrow for the quarterfinal spot. And Canada, we, we, we loved Canada in, in the groups, in the first group stage, they lose. So I was, I was like, this is, this, this is insanity. This is why we love the World Cup. This is why we love basketball with so many upsets. And I was, I was watching the first game, Serbia-Italy live. I was yeah. watching Lithuania and Greece live as well and uh australia and slovenia as well a little bit and all the other games i just tried to mix it in between yeah and catch up with the action so it's not like we saw all full games but we will ha we have we ha i think in both of us we have seen bits of almost yeah. every game so we can discuss it more or less it's it's sad that donatas is not here but yeah. but uh i think let's start with serbia italy no i actually want to start uh, by complaining because that's what oh. I do. I always find something <laughs> wrong. Uh, and I, you can say I'm, I'm Mr. Complaint. So I'm, I'm going to complain about the schedule. Uh, because like, okay, you might say I'm complaining for selfish reasons because I'm a commentator and I had to do uh, both games in, in the Mall of Asia arena. First of all, Montenegro, USA, and then Lithuania. Uh, Greece, so I couldn't watch Serbia, Italy live. I couldn't watch Australia, Slovenia live. I could only catch glimpses of, of, of some other games. Okay, I managed to to watch Latvia, Spain, Brazil, Canada, at least the second half live, and then uh, and then run through all the other stuff. But uh, the thing is, I mean, on the first day we had these seventeen thirty second place classification games, right? And on the second day, we had a full schedule of second round, super exciting basketball games. Can't you just mix it up a little bit? Like you throw some, some games to, let's say, Thursday evening, some games to Friday, and just mix it up so it would be easier probably to watch, uh, to watch these great games that happened yesterday. But at the same time, I had... A lot of free free time um, during this 
first day uh, when when all these other teams were playing and and let's say Asian teams uh, fighting for the um, place for, for for the spot in the Olympics or or African teams uh, fighting for the spot in the Olympics. So I uh, I watched uh, South Sudan versus Philippines. I've watched China uh, versus Angola, Japan versus Venezuela making a huge comeback once again. So Japan and Latvia are probably the two teams with biggest comebacks. They're the comeback kings of the tournament so far. So I did watch some basketball on that day as well. It's just that it feels kind of empty when you don't have these elite teams on air and on the next day it's a full package and you just can't get catch up with everything but it's just me complaining but i do know that for some viewers uh in lithuania let's say for some of my friends it was also uncomfortable they wanted to see some games on tape delay but some of my colleagues let's say commentators just spoiled the scores <laughs> and it kind of ruined everything so yeah uh but anyway it's hey. just yeah I, I get I, I get what you're saying. I would love to have games spread out. You know, the the second round for the, for the higher places. I would love to have them spread around. But but you know, FIBA made its smart decision because then the 1732 place games wouldn't have as much attention as they have right now. Because today you have a free day from those great teams playing, and all of a sudden, you know, people who want to watch basketball maybe will be watching Japan, maybe you know South Sudan. At least these games have have a uh, much more value as because because otherwise we would have uh, everybody watching the the, the second round around anyway okay, that, that's a fair argument i get it yes and and <laughs> since these games matter because because of the olympics then yeah why not anyway yep. it's, it's just a, a small complaint i wanted to start uh we, the kick, podcast off, we kick off saturday morning like this huh and <laughs> Probably there were a lot of Serbian fans complaining yesterday about their coaches' decisions and about everything that happened in, in the game versus Italy. So it's the third time in a row that Italy actually beat Serbia in a very important game. We had this uh, eighth final uh, last year in the Eurobasket. We had the Olympic qualifier and now this in the World Cup. Serbia is not out of the World Cup. It's not like their competition ended yesterday they can make it to, to the quarterfinal. Italy is now in a good position to qualify as well. Puerto Rico beat Dominican Republic, which makes this group a mess where you will need to calculate a lot of things uh, on, on the final day. But Italy beating Serbia by two points. Uh, a 16-point comeback. Again, talking about the comeback kings, they're, they're joining the, the group. Uh, what happened, in your opinion, why did Serbia blow the lead, uh, and, and what happened uh, in the fourth quarter? I I believe we have to start from that from that last possession, from from the decisions by Pesic. You know, if that was Lithuanian national team coach making that is making that decision, I believe he would have been already fired sixteen times from the from the end of that of that game. I, when I was watching live, I couldn't I couldn't really believe it. Like. You sub out your best player Bogdanovic. I don't care. He is one of thirteen from from uh, behind the arc. But you know, if you need a you need you will probably need a quick shot and you will need a score. And uh, I'm still living with Bogdanovic taking the last shot rather than you know whatever Stevanovic or Nikolaevic can can uh, you know improvise. Um, I was still giving Bogdanovic the last shot. Uh, after all, he just hit two free throws, so maybe you know he he's he he feels the rhythm a little bit. And when he subs him out, I understand it. You know that's for defensive purposes. You will you think 28, 28 seconds? That's a four second differential between a game clock and shot clock. You're down by two. Uh, my my thinking is okay. Uh, Serbia are going to try to trap, maybe get a steal, and then you will try. They will try to foul if if they don't succeed. Marco Goderich tries to go for a trap there in the last possession of Italy, but not really. And then they're playing it out. And I'm like, how are you not fouling? Because if Simone Fontecchio holds the ball until the, until the last second, he's shoot, he, he can shoot it at like with five seconds remaining on the, on the, on, in the match clock. 
until the ball hits the rim, then you get a defensive rebound. That's probably three seconds for you to rush full court and what? Shoot a running three-pointer from half court. Uh, Pesic gets lucky. Fontecchio goes too early. Like he shot with six seconds to go. And but you still don't don't have Bogdanovic on the court because you didn't foul. So I thought that this combination was just absolutely weird. And uh, I don't know. It was it was head scratching to me. I don't know if you agree with me on this one. You know, I watched the game uh, as I said on tape delay, already knowing that Italy won. But I was just as surprised as anybody seeing Bogdanovic on the bench in, in, in these situations. In the crunch time, he's your best player. He's your go-to guy. He, he, he's a killer. We know what he's capable of. So I was shocked to see that. Uh, well, the 16-point lead, it seemed like they were in a good position. But in my opinion, Italy were running some beautiful offense. And you could sense that it is possible once they start making shots. And obviously, we have to say some words about Simone Gotecchio. I mean, this guy is, is just Sheesh. something else. Um, w like, I, I actually liked one decision by Pesic because they, uh, they were switching a lot with Milutinov. And, you know, that says, okay, we learned the lesson from last year when we were playing, playing drop, we were playing the level defense, the flat defense, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they were not switching last year. This time they were switching a lot with Milutinov and in the, in the second half to, to start the third quarter, they got into a huge lead because of that, because they upped the intensity levels, they got some steals, they were switching with Milutinov. Italy can't score on switches as easily, you know, uh, than against a drop defense because then they pop and then all of a sudden it's dominoes start falling and, and you get wide open freeze. But they switched, they denied Fontecchio from the ball and they got this 16-point lead. But then Fontecchio just decided, okay, if we are going to go out, if we are going to go out from the World Cup, it's going, it's going to be me shooting tough shots. And may maybe, you know, maybe I hit some and, and we come back. And that, that's what happened because the first shot he, he takes is, I don't know, there's like 15 seconds on the shot clock. He just shoots a free over, over Filip Petrushev. Then again, and... and the Tommy joined. He said, "I don't want to. I don't want to retire from basketball, losing to Serbia." And he got like seven points in a row, shooting uh, pull-up three-pointers with uh, 19 seconds on the shot clock. I think that was a two-for-one situation on the fast break. And all of a sudden, they cut like 10 points in in three minutes. And then it's Simone Fontecchio or Gotecchio, as you called it, time in the ISO situations. And he was isolating on Dobrich three times in a row, three scores in a row. And I was surprised Serbia are not changing their defensive cover against him. I mean, the guy is making step backs, pullbacks, everything, fadeaway shots. And you are like, okay, maybe he's missing the next one. Like make make others beat you because, because obviously he was in the zone. He was in the zone. And when you are in the zone, you can probably make any shot. And I... I also here lack the decision making by 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 Pesic, you know, go double team or or whatever, because that was that was some amazing isolation basketball from Fontecchio. And I also would like to mention one more Italian player. Uh, I think during their run in the second half, the veteran guy Gigi Datome made some big shots as well, and. Seeing him making those plays, you're thinking maybe he should reconsider retirement because he's still <laughs> good. He still adds a lot of value to this team. And Marcos Pisu also, in certain situations, he would give you flashbacks to last year's Eurobasket game. I mean, he ended with 14 points. It doesn't seem like much, but you saw some of the similar uh, situations where... Italy just plays, runs their offense for, let's say, 20 seconds sharing the ball. And it seems like Serbia is in a good uh, defensive rotation. But in the end, it's just Marcos Pisu making a, a three-pointer. So, yeah, this, this win obviously saves Italy's hopes for making it to the quarterfinal. They're playing Puerto Rico. Uh, Serbia is playing Dominican Republic. So, do you see 
both European teams now going through, or do you have something else in your mind? I believe both European teams are going through. I mean, after yesterday, I understood that we can't predict really anything. Anything can happen. But I believe two European teams should prevail against Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. I think they're just, they have too much talent. And, um, you know, Friday could not, could not have been better for Italy. Not only they won, they won also, uh, they waited and got Puerto Rico winning. So they are completely, uh, you know, they have destiny in their hands. So uh, I think I think those two European teams should move to the quarterfinals, making it super tough to get an Olympic uh, ticket from Europe, you know, because so many teams from Europe are qualifying and if Latvia win, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about Spain, but you know, there's already Germany and Slovenia there, Lithuania. So it's going to be one hell of a fight for, for, for this uh, Olympic spot. And you highlighted Gigi Datome, you highlighted Marcos Pisu. There's one last guy who I think needs a mention. Luca Severini for Italy played, um, he played 15 minutes and he's not usually the guy who gets that that much minutes he scored only three points there was a one three pointer from the corner in the, in the fourth quarter but the guy was plus 13 you know he was he was on the court then when they made this run and you know he just made all the right plays i think in the end and uh, he deserves you know all the credit will go to fontecchio all the credit will go to datome and everybody will say how how pozzeco uh, how pozzeco's passion runs this team and how they bounce back but i think this guy deserves some credit he was he was fantastic in that in that fourth quarter and uh yeah i think italy italy moves on on sunday okay before moving on to the next game we want to discuss uh since there are so many games to watch august maybe you have a suggestion <laughs> how can we follow all the action and watch all the games of course, uh, we have a podcast partner that's called Courtside 8091 and you can watch all FIBA World Cup games there on this platform and uh, since they are our partners, we are offering a 10% discount to our bonus viewers and listeners. Uh, you can find all the instructions on how to use it in the description video down below. But uh, the discount code will give you a 10% off the max FIBA World Cup pass. So to keep up with the date with all the World Cup action live on demand on Courtside 1891. The code is BASKET23. So you can use it anytime you want. It will give you 10% off and you can catch all the action that's going on today, that's going on tomorrow, that's going on later, you know, this week, because I think we will have a fantastic week of basketball. You don't want to miss it. And uh, I know that you can catch all the action on the national TVs. It's just impossible. You need one streaming platform that, you you know, you can just switch through the games whenever you want and, and have the possibility to, to maybe tune in for the last two minutes of Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico or watch Australia, Slovenia, all the game if you want. So Courtside 1891 gives you this possibility and uh, they are our partners. So don't forget to use our code basket 23 for 10% off. And I think the next game we're going to cover is going to be Lithuania Greece. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, first of all, you're yes, so good at doing promos. Wow. I never um, knew you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So actually we can re reveal the real reason why Donatas is not here with us because the guy was just saying that Greece will win this game. Yep, and we kicked him out. <laughs> and, and, and he just couldn't show up on uh, on this podcast. Yep. He was too ashamed of his previous predictions. Uh, but all jokes aside, in the third quarter, with some of the ball movement, extra pass after extra pass, I really thought I'm watching the San Antonio Spurs from 2014. Oh, you're yeah. hyping them up now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying this was the whole 40 minutes but in the second half you could see some examples of b brilliant basketball like basketball the way it's supposed to be played they ended up with 25 assists and and 15 frees uh, shooting 63 percent uh first of all i can share some of my thoughts um 
we were down four uh, at the half, but I felt fine. I felt comfortable because I couldn't see Thomas Walker and Yanulis Larenzakis scoring like that for 40 minutes. It seemed really unsustainable. Yes, Lithuania took some risks with walk-up, let's say, undering the screens or, or the drop coverage. But he is not Lorenzo Brown. He is not Costas Lucas. Uh, these are nope. logical decisions. And you're living with him making some shots. But in the end, if Thomas Walkup is taking 20 field goals, it says more about the team than Thomas Walkup. It just shows how this team lacks talent and, and offense. So, uh, yeah, I was fine was with that. I was uh, sorry to interrupt you. There was one stat uh, I think during the the broadcast. Uh, Thomas Walkup is playing the most ball screens in the FIBA World Cup. He's not Costas Lucas. You know, we love the guy. We we have praised him on this podcast many times over and over again. But you know, he's not Costas Lucas, and he was even playing above his you know at his best level let's say in the first half he was making off the dribble mid-range shots he was making those frees you know yeah Lithuania risked it and you know maybe those shots were I know you're going under but you still have to try to be faster and to be in front of him again you cannot allow him that much space that's like a practice shot yeah. even, even for walk-up so but you mentioned it right and I, I had a stat for this uh walkup and Lorenzakis had 30 points in the first half they sh they were shooting 11 from 18 from the field together and they had only um they had only eight points after the break and made three of 13 shots in the second half so we could say they got you know uh they got to to their averages let's say yeah. because I, i'm not expecting Yanulis Lorenzakis to hit same leg same uh step backs you know for for the whole game that's that's only for the fourth quarter yep, but exactly. since they were down so much those were those were needed but okay at the same time i have to admit it in the first half maybe some lithuanian players were still a bit nervous they made some mental mistakes so let's say benjus uh had a sequence where papa petru just scored five points on him in a row uh there were these these things and it's normal uh, in a game of, of such importance. Uh, but I always had a feeling that after the halftime, Lithuania will go strong. Uh, and But I, I couldn't imagine that it would go that strong. Like, raining freeze. They made eight freeze in a row until until yep. Benjus, I think, missed, missed a shot. And Benjus was a guy who couldn't make a shot the whole summer. In the preparation stage, even in the group stage, his shooting was not so good but then september 1st it's not summer anymore <laughs> and the man and the man is making a sh shot after shot after shot and there were some brilliant plays where let's say our point guard backup point guard Vidas karnaus because he deserves a shout out uh, for playing really solid minutes he, he is posting up a smaller guy uh Greek, Greece defense is just pushing towards that side and he just sees Benjus wide open and sends the ball to him for a spot-up shot. So not only that Lithuania hit 15 frees, these were spot-up shots, open looks from the player's sweet spots. They got those shots exactly where they wanted them and that's what's, right. what's really important. And I don't really see too many teams where the point guard who, who starts the possession in the end of the possession is like a shooting guard or a small forward in the in a semi-corner free position for a spot-up shot and that's that's what happens with Jakubaitis he's running the yeah. offense but in the end the ball moves back to him and he's shooting where where you would expect your small forward to be so that was really beautiful uh to see how they shared the ball and how they played in the second half and and in Greece just couldn't catch their breath I mean you could you could see that after the third quarter it was a six point game, but mentally it felt like a twenty point lead for Lithuania. Do you think do you think that's sustainable? I mean, obviously Greece will mention, yeah, when you lose at margin this big, you know, you can't really say we got unlucky or or whatever. It's just it's just you have to admit that Greek's team this summer wasn't wasn't the best of of the teams. You know, they couldn't have so much talent on their team. Yanis, Lucas, uh, Dorsey, the list goes on and on. You know, they lost Mitoglu right before the tournament. I, th I thought that changed a lot for them. 
and you know Lithuania just attacked Papayanis all night long and Valanciunas maybe his stat line looks nice but uh, I thought he didn't play his best best games I think in the first half he was really slow passing the ball out of the double teams triple teams under the rim but his presence inside his rolling ability to the rim and Jokubaitis attacking got Greece so much spaced inside the paint that Lithuania shooters you know there is one pass and you pat you you get an extra pass and Lithuania shooters are wide open completely so those were good shots but my question is is this sustainable because hitting 15 of 24 I don't I don't think that's possible I mean the way Lithuania played yesterday Greece shouldn't be unhappy because they did all they yep. could I thought you, you know you can't you have to risk somewhere Lithuania made you punish for those risks but Lithuania I think with how they are played yesterday with how they shoot the ball they would have beaten USA if they had played USA instead of Greece yesterday with, with this shooting maybe perhaps of course versus USA probably the game would, would look different True. It would be different. They would switch it, a lot. It, they would be, they would be switching. You would be hunting the offensive rebounds. Well, we will see something on uh, Sunday once they face Team USA. Although both teams already qualified for the quarterfinals, so there's not much pressure going into mm -hmm. that game. But I agree with you. It doesn't really seem sustainable. I'm talking about the the, the numbers, uh, the shooting. But uh, Lithuania has other options. It's not like they're uh, a team that lives by the free and dies by the free. It's just this one <laughs> game where where it was going that way uh actually i thought they would go to valanchunas in the low post more often versus papayanis but it wasn't the key to the game when they tried uh, greece were sending strong side help which is kind of unusual in my opinion Str strong side double team strong side double team and if yeah. you remember it worked perfectly in the first possession valanchunas yes. knows that's coming like they were talking before in the huddle i i heard you know you could hear a uh, lithuanian coach talking about it so probably we go to jv probably they're going to double and watch the other guy so he passes the ball immediately we have like three passes around the perimeter we get a free pointer on the other side of the court after that i thought that that first pass was was missing you know with with the speed and either JV was passing too early before the double team came so that was a great game planning for greece to limit J jv's ability in the post or or you know he was he was a little bit late with the passes so yep. you ha you have to give something to greece they did a good job of let's say limiting jv in the post yeah at, least. at the same time again uh team lithuania proved that they have a really strong bench uh the second unit once again uh builds the lead and actually kasismas vitas trusted let's say karinauskas for extended minutes he played 17 minutes. Rokas Jokubaitis, only 23, even though he's the MVP of the game uh, with an amazing stat line. And also, I think Donatas Motiunas deserves a lot of credit. He mm -hmm. actually helped us in the pick-and-roll defense a lot in the, in the second half. And also, it's great when you have a passing center. Motiunas is a good passer. And when we had this ball movement uh, at the flow in the third quarter, he was there on the court as well throwing the rock uh, to, to his teammates. Uh, so other guys as well, Benjus off the bench, uh, Dimsha. Our second unit so far has been really good. And it's nice to see that the, the team is, is, is clicking. But also, I'm not the guy who is always on the hype after Lithuania wins. I must admit that thus far, we've won in games where we, we were actually clear favorites. Whether you take the uh, Montenegro uh, Montenegro game, I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking about Mexico or Egypt, but Montenegro game, right. uh, the game versus Greece, the fans, the media, the experts, the bookmakers, everybody had Lithuania's really clear favorites. I'm not talking about 30-point blowout win favorites, but clear favorites. Ten point. Yeah, clearly the better team with, let's say, an 8 or 10-point spread. So... So actually, this this time, I must admit, we're kind of lucky with the bracket we have. In the previous competitions, we didn't have that luck. Uh, Last year, we had the same good path in our eyes, but we, but we lost But we Spain. had a gr group of death also in, in the yeah. group stages already. So, of course, you still have to beat what's in front of you. 
And to me, what matters the most is not the actual wins, which were predictable, but how they got those wins, how they performed, uh, how, the, how the coaching staff prepared a brilliant game plan versus Montenegro, the way the team reacted yesterday uh, being down four at, at the half. This is what uh, matters to me because these wins, I expected them. I'm not surprised, but yeah, mm. so far uh, they're, they're playing really good basketball. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's just the the way how comfortable how comfortable these wins were, and you know, I think you said it best. Uh, and everything it needed to be said about Lithuania and about Greece. You know, it was all about Lerenzakis and Walkup trying to make plays. I thought Lithuania did a good job versus Papayanis, limiting him in the post ups, limiting him in the pick and rolls he missed those shots from the mid-range he usually makes i think he made only i think he made only one or maybe i'm mistaken after all but uh you know it's just it was just obvious they lacked talent this year i mean even when lithuania were risking you know from tanasis he was he was driving he was shooting layups that don't even graze the rim uh the, the other guys as well it was sometimes it was a deja vu of their game against new zealand when they were four of 18 from two-point field like this team managed to create advantages but they did not manage to convert on those opportunities because because you know the level of uh, defense were just just too too good they they couldn't manage the the the, the contact level so uh we were we Lithuania. We are we're heavy favorites, and uh, twenty-five point win. You know, maybe on we wouldn't win against Greece every time by twenty-five points. But yesterday was just one of those days for Lithuania, and uh, where they hit everything. And, and it's like Greece. It's not possible they could have done anything yesterday. Yep. And it's not like we can criticize Itudis or anything. His decision making. It it, 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 it was not no. about about the coach. Look, their their plan was how probably ninety five percent of the teams would play Lithuania. Yep. You play drop defense. Uh, I mean, yeah, you preferably you would switch against Lithuania, but since you don't have uh, a lot of guys that could do that, and they were trying some with Papayanis, you know, switching. But still, you would preferably probably switch against Lithuania for forty minutes. But then you need someone who can pro protect the pain against JV. So. I thought their game plan was okay. It was just that for all those risks, risks yep. Lithuania punished their with three pointers. So, you, right, can't, so you can't say anything bad. Probably we have to move to the other game and yep. another team that we were really doubting. We didn't have them high in our predictions or power rankings whatsoever. Is Slovenia, and now they wow. are already in the quarterfinals. They beat Australia, even though Luka Doncic was in a, in a foul trouble. He was sitting with four fouls, and then Australia was actually getting closer and closer. And it seemed that, that this is it. This is where Australia will overtake this game. But Slovenia really found players that stepped up. And it's not just Luka Doncic. Once again, we saw big plays from Prepelic. We saw a great performance from Mike Toby. And, and and some other guys as well and sadly for me australia is out but i'm always happy to see mm -hmm. luca in these competitions and i'm glad i will get to see him live in the quarterfinal at least uh what, what what's your take on, on this game where where did it all go wrong for australia um I remember two days ago we were talking and uh, and I was I was the one picking Slovenia. I was saying I will go against the logic. I will choose Slovenia in a game like this, where you need passion, heart. It's not like Australia are missing uh, these two these two values. But right from the beginning, we saw that Luca and Slovenia were eager to. Let's say I I thought the game against Poland of last year were in their heads, in the back of their heads. I think. They, they 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 know the importance of, they knew the importance of this game and uh, they just wanted to prove that last year was a fluke and even with Latko Chancher injured you know Edo Muric not playing they're still a good team and we are better than we were last year and 
Australia, uh, I thought, chose an interesting tactic of d doubling Luka Doncic almost at half court. Like, if he's playing the pick and roll on, like, the high pick and roll 10 meters, uh, three meters behind the three-point line, they are going to double. And they built the lead in the first quarter exactly this way. Luka just making a simple pass. It's a 4v3 situation. Slovenia have shooters. Slovenia have Mike Toby who can hit a mid-range, who can hit a free, who can uh, make nice passes. You can see in the box score that M Mike Toby actually played probably one of the best games of his career. 18 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. Those assists came from, you know, Luka Doncic's double team. He passes to Mike Toby and then he... He shares the ball all the way through the uh, all around the court. So this is how Australia uh, got into into trouble. And uh, after a bit, Luca started making passes a little bit too. Let's say he was trying to think too much ahead in the future. He was not making the simple pass. He was trying to read what the second defender in in the help will do. So he got some turnovers, and then he got a technical foul uh, for throwing the ball. Uh, let's say, uh, from uh, the other three-point line. And it's not often you see a technical foul like this given to a star player, but Luka got a technical. It was his third foul, and I thought, okay, why you need to do this? Slovenia were up 14 in the second quarter, and I'm like, okay, now this lead will all be gone. But Australia just couldn't do it. I, I think this is where their uh, short rotations proved to be crucial. Uh, Patty Mills and Josh Giddy were the only two guys uh, who were who were doing the work, and it's it's it's. I think it's easy to play against Josh Giddy and Patty Mills when you have these guys around, when you have non-shooters around. It makes just the uh, the job for it. It made the job for Slovenia so much easier. And I thought Zoran Dragic did an amazing job on 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 Patty Mills trying to just wear him out. It's not like Patty Mills did not score. Uh, he had 17 points, but he shot only 5 of 13. So uh, I loved the, what the role players did. Nikolic played 25 minutes, only 3 of 10. But his defense, his drives and his energy were important. So a great, great team effort from Slovenia. And how do you like your power ranking now that you had uh, yeah. Australia at the, at the two? <laughs> well, probably as much as you like yours with France. France uh, at being, the two. Being yeah. the clear number two. Uh, we, you know, we were so wrong with our second place. Hey, but this, this this competition is cruel. I mean, imagine if Australia beat Germany in that really close game where everything was decided in, in the last possession, in the last seconds. It changes the whole picture. It just shows you how sometimes in these FIBA competitions you need a little bit of luck. And Absolutely. This year Australia just didn't have it, but fortunately for them they qualify for the olympics it, it, it's not a tough task all they needed to do is to get to the second round so i think next year in paris we will see the last dance of patty mills uh, joe ingles and uh, they will have this more or less the same core of the team hopefully with jock landale and they could fight for medals next year they're a good team josh giddy i think he gained a lot of experience playing fiba basketball uh you could Probably next year he will figure it out more. He would be even more comfortable. He's still a young point guard. Uh, he still have areas to improve. So uh, I, I still believe that this is a, a great team, an elite team, despite the loss uh, yesterday. But huge credit to Slovenia. I mean, you mentioned these role players like Hrova, Chebashek. These names don't really say much to, to a casual viewer, but yesterday they were making big shots and making big plays and actually Slovenia as we said they are not a defensive minded team but I must admit they really played hell of a defense it, it was more about effort than tactics in my opinion hmm. but they were so focused and they deservedly are, are, are through to the quarterfinal and they will still be fighting uh, with Germany for the for the for the first place in the in the group, uh, Germany Georgia we're probably not going to discuss this game. Germany is still on a on a on a roll. They're they're beating everybody. They're playing beautiful basketball, scoring hundred points. Twenty three pointers. Yeah. So Germany Slovenia think, will will be a, a really exciting game to watch. I think 
we we haven't watched the game, but you know the stat line of uh, Maodolo. It's he missed uh, both two pointers. He played 19 minutes. He had 18 points. He missed both two pointers, but he made six of six from the three point range, and he had five assists. He also had five turnovers, but six of six from three point range. And I doubt that these were a spot of three pointers. Knowing knowing how Maodolo plays, especially, and knowing. Probably, you know, Georgia switched or whatever, and he was just making these, you know, step back frees we were we we discussed in the couple of episodes back. Um if you if we don't have anything to add again after about uh, Australia and Slovenia, do we do wh- what did you see in the USA and Montenegro game? Yeah. Are you uh let's say worried about the United States after this game? What does this mean for them and um are they as unbeatable as we thought before the tournament? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that in every competition, uh, probably since since they became uh, beatable for, for, for the rest of the world, in every competition they would have at least this one game where they face some struggles, where they almost lose. Uh, I'm thinking Brazil in, 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 in 2000 and and six or 2010, I'm thinking Lithuania in the London Olympics 2012, they would always have at least one game. But those are never back-to-back games that they look so bad and so vulnerable. Ooh. So, in my opinion... Bad prediction for Sunday, huh? Uh, but in my opinion, yesterday, they, they didn't have the necessary energy. They didn't start the right way. I don't know why. I don't know what was the reason. Maybe they underrated their opponents. Maybe they, after an easy group stage, they were not so focused. And in this game, they mm-hmm. just never got it going. But also, I have to say that I cannot see Team USA, let's say, missing 10 free throws or, or shooting 5 from 19 from free two games in a row they're a good shooting team and it's probably not going to happen again and even with all this they still got the win and they are true to the quarterfinals montenegro had 22 offensive rebounds and that just shows the weakness wow. of team usa Actually, because twi- tw- sorry 23 and and 22 23 offensive rebounds and 22 turnovers for montenegro right so uh so usa were switching a lot and Montenegro were playing sometimes with Vucevic and Dublovic in the same lineup and, and, and they were playing old school offense with the bigs posting up all the time, whether it's Vucevic or Dublovic, they, they were playing this low post game and Team USA was switching and they were suffering. Mismatch after mismatch and even if Montenegro misses a shot, they get an offensive rebound. Uh, also, I have to give credit to Montenegro because they used the four team fouls so smart to stop all the fast breaks uh, of Team USA. So they had a good game plan prepared. Uh, they were playing to their strengths. Vucevic had a good game. Dublovic had a good game. Uh, but, you know, in the second half, for the first time in this World Cup so far, Steve Kerr actually started making adjustments and some tactical decisions. If you remember how Lithuania puts Sadekerskis on Vucevic and Valenciunas on Radoncic to basically just protect the paint, Steve Kerr puts Josh Hart on Vucevic and Jaron Jackson Jr. on Radoncic. Oh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. protecting the rim? That's illegal. But Montenegro still managed to somehow attack on this. I mean, Josh Hart, so undersized versus Vucevic, but he was just trying to uh, go through the top to deny all the passes, some amazing effort from him. After that, it was Anthony Edwards and Vucevic and Jaron Jackson Jr. still protecting the paint because they were just ignoring Radoncic completely. He gave him the Ben Simmons treatment. In the fourth quarter, Radoncic got the ball by the free throw line and nobody Wide went open. to contest him and he airballed it. It was basically wow. a free throw. He airballed it. Ouch. But the ball landed to Dublevic's hands under, under the rim and he scored. But it, I think, <laughs> I think Dino Rodoncic is a young player. He's a prospect. This competition could give him a, a psychological blow because like 
you're realizing nobody respects your game, nobody respects your shot, and these teams see you as a guy who who's not a threat. So him being uh, on the court in the fourth quarter is probably a question to the to the coach of Montenegro. But I just think this game, even though Montenegro did all the right things and and, and they did, and, and they were in the game for. 38 minutes like with two minutes left you still were, weren't so sure that USA will win it but I think the Americans were just not up for this game and and mm. the shooting percentages also prove that some players really didn't seem focused uh, Brandon Ingram still cannot find his his place in this team he, he actually was not in a starting lineup Steve Kurtz started with, with Josh Hart. So, uh, yeah, Ingram doesn't really seem happy with his role. So far, his, his stat lines are just, I mean, you know, definitely not what we were expecting. I mean, the guy has played four games. Uh, his minute range were, are, are always from 15 to 18 minutes. And that's his points, points, total, points total from each game. He scored two yesterday. He had seven against Jordan, he had five against Greece, and he had two against New Zealand. He's shooting 39% from the field, 29% uh, from free points, and he hasn't shot a single free throw in 64 minutes yep. of gameplay. That's not something we would expect. And just when you were making all these comments about the this United States-Montenegro game, I, I had two remarks. I thought, okay, so... USA just said that Lithuania had a genius game plan against Montenegro. That's one, because they made the same adjustment. And two, I thought, okay, Montenegro are a similar team, a similarly constructed team uh, to Lithuania. You know, they have a big guy who can punish the switches in the post. And uh, it could be a similar game for Lithuania on Sunday. We, we, we could see something more because USA will not are not going to go away from from the switch defense yeah they are either they're they are either switching or it's a drop with Jaron Jackson jr most most of the time hey, so and, and I expect and, a similar and, game it, it could be it could be Jonas Valanciunas time to shine uh, That's what I, I, want to say. I agree with you I agree with you that it's it's kind of clear where you want to attack them it's kind of clear how you you can get your points and the offensive rebound and everything else. Yes, that is true. And I can easily see Lithuania, let's say, dropping 80 or 85 versus Team USA. It's just that. Um, yesterday, they were missing open looks and they missed 10 free throws. You don't control that as the opposing team. Mm -hmm. it, it's not up to you. And these guys right. are too talented to have these numbers again, in my opinion. And... Uh, I think it will be a high-scoring game. Both teams are all, all, are already through, so there's no pressure. I, I don't see Lithuania winning, actually. I believe that Lithuania will be close to 90 points. USA will probably be around 100 or something uh, because, yeah, I, I expect them to bounce back with some good shooting because yesterday it was strange to see Halliburton missing wide-open looks, Anthony Edwards missing wide-open looks, other guys as well, mm. so... So, yeah, we, we actually praise them for being a good shooting team so far that they have four or five shooters on the court and everybody's so confident and, and, and everything in the second unit is clicking. Austin Reeves actually had a poor game, I would say. He got his points from free throws, but it was not a good game for him as well, although in the competition, in the group stage, he was their most consistent player alongside Banquero. Uh, and... and Steve Kerr used some different rotations. He actually started using Walker Kessler. And maybe, who knows, he, he might use Walker Kessler even more versus Valanciunas uh, and Motiunas. Definitely. That's going to be a, an interesting game on Sunday. Uh, we have two more games to cover, cover. And I would probably be right to say that both of those games ended in upsets. Um... Brazil beat Canada. Canada, who we all thought are probably playing, demonstrating the best basketball in the tournament. And we were saying this because they were meeting, you know, the opponents of probably the higher, the highest caliber because United States were playing against yeah. New Zealand and, and, all, and Jordan and all those other teams while Canada beat France and, and they had a superb performance. But yesterday they were held to 65 points against Brazil. And... Uh, 
Brazil scored 69. It wasn't a really beautiful game, but I thought this was, you know, my, my just one note about this game is that it's hard to expect a team to w go uh, without losses in the tournament because think about it. It's like what seven games to win it all. You have to you have to go seven yep. seven zero if you want if you're going to if you want to go without losses. That's like two and a half weeks going without a loss. How often during the regular season teams do go on seven and zero seven seven win seven game winning streaks? That's hard to do. Uh, it's better to lose now than to lose later. You, you always expect at least one game out of five or one game out of six where you don't make three pointers. And I think that's what happened yesterday. Uh, the biggest question about Canada is when Shea Gilders Alexander has to pass the ball up, can others make shots? Before, it was amazing. Like RJ Barrett, after the first game versus France, he was excellent shooting the ball in the next two games. Yesterday, I think he went one from eight from the field. Uh, zero from four for three pointers. Uh, Alexander Walker, one of nine from the field, one of eight three pointers. And Canada finishing with eight made three pointers of 30, 27% from the field, all 27% from the three point range, only 40% from two point range. And Brazil's, it was it, was it more, did you feel like it was more Brazil's defense or was it simply Canada missing shots? I wouldn't say simply missing shots because it's not like they always created good looks. My problem with Canada was that in the fourth quarter, when it was still a close game, uh, they started playing hero ball. In the fourth quarter, there was no ball movement, no player movement. It was just static offense. Shea Gilgis Alexander tries to be the hero. Then the next position, RG Barrett tries to be the hero. Then the next possession is somebody else. Maybe maybe Lou Dort tries to improvise. It was hard to watch. There was no offensive flow at all. They, they only scored 28 points in the second half. Yes, Brazil played good defense, but you would expect a talented team like Canada to find solutions, you know. And, and, and the fourth quarter was just terrible. No ball movement, hero ball all the time. Somebody is just driving to the paint where there are three Brazilian players meeting him and he's just trying to force the shot somehow. Uh, let's say some three-point shots they got in the fourth quarter, they were not taken by particularly good shooters. Um, and Iago Dos Santos was killing Delon Brooks in the fourth quarter. Can you imagine Delon Brooks guarding Iago Dos Santos and the Brazilian point guard is just blowing past him driving to the right and 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 making the layup which gives brazil the lead iago dos santos is one hell of a player man hey i thought um is this the best value signing of the summer in the euroleague because i don't think he got a big deal i mean he was playing in the german league he got he won the championship but usually yep. in the in germany in germany the salaries are not so high you are coming to the Euroleague as a rookie. Nobody is giving you, you know, Shane Larkin type of money. Even, not even, not even that. Plus, you know, you already signed Shabazz Napier and Teodosic. So yeah. he was probably signed for the second, uh, fourth, let's say fourth or fifth uh, backward player. So yeah. he's not getting probably not getting a lot of money. And I'm like seeing him play, and it's like, wow, this guy is amazing. And 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 Zvezda got a got a real baller here. Uh. Yeah, I, I love him. I love him so much. Uh, his offensive talent is unquestionable. He's still very young, actually. I think he's 24. But it, of course, in Euroleague, yep. in, in the long season, uh, in, in, in the long distance, in Euroleague, his size could be a problem defensively. Yes, that's, that's, that's probably obvious, but his talent is so amazing. And I'm excited to see Brazil-Latvia game because I will see Iago dos Santos versus Artur Jagers, two really exciting uh -huh. point guards who are enjoying basketball so far uh, over there in, in Jakarta. Uh, also, another thing, I think some people in Toronto watching this game Bruno were Caboclo? surprised or... to see Bruno Caboclo dropping 19 points and 13 rebounds, a strong double-double performance versus Canada. 
because he was the guy that Toronto Raptors were expecting to become the next big thing. And he's also a player that found himself in Germany. And now he's, he's having a really good World Cup. So Brazil getting this win, despite the, the loss of Raul Neto, is huge. And it puts them in a really good position. They're facing Latvia, and if they win, they're true. If Latvia wins, they're true. But I, I don't think Brazil should be afraid of Latvia. They can match them. You cannot say that Latvia is a more talented team. So this is a big chance for, uh, for, for the South American team to, to get to the quarterfinal. And as we, as we talked um, in our, I think, first podcast, uh, and we've discussed Raul Neto's injury, I said that they can still have a successful tournament. And you asked yeah. what would be and a I was success. Like, no. what would be a, and I said quarterfinal would be a huge success for them. And they are really close right now. So I, I, I think Canada has to sort things out. Because for them, the last game versus Spain also becomes a do-or-die game. And it would be a shame to see a team that has been playing so great in the group stage to just throw it all away. So Jordi Fernandez probably has to talk with his staff and, and with the players and, 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 and to prepare something. They, it's Jordi they, Fernandez... It's yep. Jordi Fernandez's first international tournament and he has to kick France and he has to kick Spain out of it. With coach Scariolo. Uh, yep. But this team is just too talented to end with end up with 65 points. I don't care what defense they are facing. They're too good and there has to be some ball movement. Players have to move without the ball as well. Uh, they have to get back to what, what, what's been successful for them in the group stage. Uh, I just think we're going to see some of that boxing, good old boxing one on Shea Gilgis Alexander on, on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's just <laughs> inevitable. And that will be a real test for Canada to show what they're... But I, I, uh, I believe okay, but who, who Jordy think, has to notice. Who do you think will be the, the, the one guy? Uh, it's obvious who will form the box, but who do you think will be the one guy? The one guy following uh, Shea? Shea Gilgis, yeah. I mean, it has to be Alberto Diaz. Okay. Or, or, or you want a bigger guy, maybe, I, I, maybe I would, Juan. I would, tr- I would put a bigger body, actually. I would put a bigger body. I'm thinking Claver, Abrines, Juancho. I'm thinking about these guys. Mm. Okay. Maybe a mix, you know. Maybe you give him some uh, height so he can't shoot it over. The, so easy step backs. Yep. Then you give him Alberto Diaz, try to mix things up because, you know, maybe trying to deny... Alberto is better at denying him, maybe yep. getting some offensive fouls. So you mix it up. I, be- I believe this is this is a real uncomfortable spot for Canada because Spain is just such a, uh, let's say, not comfortable team to play in a do-or-die game. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would oh, rather yeah. face... I would rather face a more talented team, but not, not with Spain who have less experience and, and, and a great coaching staff and yep. a, co- a coach that loves these these weird tactics. So for a team, I, I remember we were saying Canada will be tested by adversity when they were faced this weird situation, how they will cope with it. And now with this loss against Brazil, they actually will have this adversity test to, and we will really see are they for real in this tournament. Uh, yes, that is true, but also we expected Spain to be in a better position, and now this Absolutely. is just a do-or-die game. Uh, it's actually really simple. Spain versus Canada, who wins goes through. Brazil versus Latvia, who wins goes through. And the La- I mean, Latvians just did it again. They were down 11 again in the third quarter. For- for how long this can this can continue? I mean, okay, th- that was a different game. If we if we compare it to the one uh, with with France, it was a low scoring game, and in the fourth quarter, I think the biggest problem for Spain was, uh, and for the first time in this competition, it was clear to see that they don't have a point guard who can score, who can shoot, and who ca- who can be the real leader when it matters. And they were playing with Alberto Diaz in the fourth quarter, the very important minutes. And, and I mean, 
he's playing the pick and roll he gets the switch and he does not attack the switch and this that creates a problem and in the end of the possession you get some wild three-pointer from Rudy Fernandez or Alex Abrines or somebody else and uh, they were going to their bigs uh, let's say quite successfully for three quarters uh, Villar and Gomez uh, Usman Garuba but Usman Garuba posting up is not a play you want to see in the fourth quarter He's not a good post-up uh, player. He's he's a pick-and-roll type of center. So they had real issues with their offense. They only scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. And at the same time, Latvia found some new heroes. Like previously it was Jagars. This time it was Zorix with more or less the same, the same plays. Uh, he just gets the screen, drop defense, and he's shooting a free. It's as simple as that. Davis Bertans mm-hmm. had a good game, uh, making some shots from from long range. Rodion Kurutz actually, Rodion Kurutz. yeah, seemed like a player who you're not sure what are his strengths. It looks like he has the body, but he never really performs. In this game, he was great. Grajulis as their as their uh, center for closing games in the switch defense, he was great. Also, Roland Schmitz, I mean. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they beat Spain in the fourth quarter by 16 points, 27 to 11. I, I just can't wrap my head around it, but it happened again. They beat the world champions and European champions. They beat the, the Eurobasket finalists in the group stage. And now they have a real chance to, to be in the quarterfinals. So Brazil should be an easy walk, walk in the park, right? <laughs> I'm seems, obviously kidding. I'm obviously kidding. It, it seems like a 50-50 game to me now. I'm talking Brazil, Latvia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Luca Banki also deserves a lot of credit. He, you were he, saying, you were saying, what's what's the secret here? How did they beat? And I was, I wanted to say, there's just two words, Luca Banki. Probably because Luca Banki has been a coach that. Basically, his name was off the EuroLeague GM's books for, for a while. I mean, in some projects, he wasn't really successful. I remember it was a disaster in, in Krasnodar. I remember he was not really successful with some other previous teams. And he was like a coach everybody forgot about. Uh, I don't think too many clubs even reached out to, to try and sign him. Uh, especially in the Euroleague. But now with Latvia, he's doing some great things. He uh, helped this team to qualify for the World Cup for the first time in history. And now he's leading this team through the group of death and through the second group of death to the quarterfinal, which is just uh, just uh, amazing. And doing that all without Porzing is on the roster. Yeah, but and, Porzing uh, is being there. I'm sorry. Porzing is actually being them. I think also is a huge influence. You see your star player always cheering, always supporting, and Porzingis is just setting a, a great example to to everybody. Like, no matter how big of a star you are, it's still all about the team. And even though you cannot play, you're still part of the team, which is really beautiful. Yeah, I. there's nothing much to add here about Porzingis. I definitely agree. He's He's giving them a huge boost emotionally. Um, and it's like Latvia are our neighbors, so Lithuania, so you kind of want them, uh, to go further and to, for their dream to, to continue to last on, but this game against Brazil is going to be just so hard, but you know, it's another chance for Luka Banki to make his way back to the top tier coaches list in Europe. And, uh, this is his best chance. I mean, he's already done a wonderful job, but he needs just one more finishing touch on it. And Latvia in the quarterfinals, being over France, Spain, Brazil, beating those, let's say, or Canada, Spain or Canada, being in the quarterfinal above these teams would be probably one of the greatest achievements in Latvian basketball history, in my eyes. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with it, but it has to be with one of the best, be- at least, best uh, moments ever. At least, ever. Let's, let's say, in the modern days, in the 21st century, of course, it's kind of hard to uh, compare to, let's say, winning the Eurobasket uh, 90 or something 90. years ago. It's, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's different. So, I think we, we've covered all the games, right? 
I think we covered all the games and I think uh, we should just mention to our viewers to like the podcast because we watched, we've read this almost all the games yesterday to record yep. this. Uh, please share your opinions about what you thought uh, the ending about Serbia and Italy game, the decisions made by Pesic. Please share how you think will be the final standings after Sunday, which teams are going to qualify from group with Italy and Serbia and from group with Spain and Canada. It's really interesting always to hear your comments. And uh, don't forget to check BN Plus. Uh, we have a really act active WhatsApp group and all the addition and content. And I guess I'll see you guys next time. Again, you're so good with the promos. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, I, was about to, uh, I was about to go grab some Dunkin' Donuts, but now there's a heavy rain. So I'm, I'm going to be stuck oh. here in the media room for a while. So anyway, it's a pleasure uh, to talk with you, Ogis, as, as always. Uh, hopefully me, we'll me have too. Donatus back on board for the next podcast. And yeah, that's it, guys, for today. Thank you. Bye. Bye.